0: Questions to the Prime Minister, Mr. Peter Aldous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Number one, please, Mr. Speaker. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, I know the whole House will want to join me in marking Holocaust Memorial Day. It is right that our whole country should stand together to remember the darkest hour of humanity. Last year, on the 70th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz, I said we would build a striking national memorial in London to show the importance Britain places on preserving the memory of the Holocaust. Today, I can tell the House this memorial will be built in Victoria Tower Gardens. It will stand beside Parliament as a permanent statement of our values as a nation and will be something for our children to visit for generations to come. I am grateful to all those who have made this possible and have given this work the cross-party status that it so profoundly deserves. Mr. Speaker, This morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others and, in addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Mr. Peter Alders Thank you, Mr Speaker. I echo the Prime Minister's sentiments regarding Holocaust Memorial Day we must never forget. The North Sea oil industry, North Sea oil and gas industry, on which many people
1: in my Waveney constituency are dependent for their livelihoods, is facing very serious
2: challenges at the current time. The government has taken steps to address the situation, but more is required if the industry is first to survive and then to thrive. Will my right honourable friend assure me that he recognises the seriousness of the situation and he will do all that he can? To get
0: the industry through these very difficult times. Well, my honourable friend, it's absolutely right to raise this. I do recognise the seriousness of the situation. The oil price decline is the longest in 20 years and nearly the steepest. And this causes real difficulties for the North Sea, and we can see the effects in the east of England, of course, across Scotland, particularly in Aberdeen and in other parts of our country too. We discussed this at Cabinet yesterday. I'm determined that we build a bridge to the future for all those involved in the North Sea. We're going to help the export the sector. To export its world class expertise. We're going to help the economies diversify. We've announced 1.3 billion of support last year for the North Sea. We're implementing the Wood Review. I'll be going to Aberdeen tomorrow where we'll be saying more about what we can do to help this vital industry at this vital time.
2: Yeah. Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Thank you, you, Mr. Speaker. On behalf of the opposition, could I welcome the remarks the Prime Minister has just made about Holocaust Memorial Day? It's the 71st anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz Birkenau. We have to remember the deepest, darkest days of inhumanity that happened then and the genocides that have sadly happened since and educate another generation to avoid those for all all time in the future. I thank the Prime Minister for what he said. Mr. Speaker, Independent experts have uh, suggested that Google is paying an effective tax rate on its UK profits of around 3%. Does the Prime Minister dispute that figure? Well, let's be clear what we're talking about here. We're
0: talking about tax that should have been collected under a Labour government (laughs) raised by a Conservative government. That's what we're talking about. I do dispute. The figures that he gives. It's quite rightly this is done independently by HMRC, but I'm absolutely clear that no government has done more than this one to crack down on tax evasion and aggressive tax avoidance. No government, and certainly not the last Labour government.
2: Mr Speaker, my question actually was if the Prime Minister thinks an effective tax rate of 3% is right or wrong. He did not answer it. The Chancellor of the Exchequer described this arrangement as a major success, while the Prime Minister's official spokesperson only called it a step forward. The Mayor of London described the payment as quite derisory. What exactly is the government's position on this three per cent rate of taxation?
0: But we have put in place the diverted profit tax that means that this company and other companies will pay more tax in future, and more tax in future than they ever paid under Labor, where the tax rate for Google was zero per cent. That is what we faced. Let me tell him. What we have done. We have changed the tax law so many times that we raised an extra 100 billion from business in the last parliament. When I came to power, banks didn't pay tax on all their profits, allowed under Labour, stopped under the Tories. Investment companies could cut their tax bill by flipping the currency their accounts were in, allowed under Labour, stopped under the Tories. Companies could fiddle accounting rules to make losses appear out of thin air, allowed under Labour, stopped under the Tories. We've done more on tax evasion and tax avoidance than Labour ever did. The truth is, Mr. Speaker, they're running to catch
2: up, but they haven't got a leg to stand on Mr Speaker it was under a labor government that the inquiries were begun into google and in addition as a percentage of as a percentage of as a percentage of gdp corporation tax receipts are lower under this government than they were under previous governments i've got a, a question here mr speaker from a gentleman called Jeff now you might well laugh but Jeff actually speaks for millions of people when he says to me can you ask the prime minister if as a working man of over 30 years whether there is a scheme which i can join that pays the same rate of tax as google and other large corporations what does the prime minister say to Jeff? Well, what I say to Jeff is that his taxes are coming down under this
0: government and Google's taxes are going up under this government. Let me say Let me say to the right hon gentleman something he just said in his last question was factually inaccurate. He said corporation tax receipts have gone down. They've actually gone up by 20% under this government because we've got a strong economy with businesses making money, employing people, investing in our country, and paying taxes into the exchequer. And let me say to him. If, like me, he's genuinely angry about what happened to Google under Labour, can I tell him a few people he could call? Maybe he should start by calling Tony Blair. You can get him at JP Morgan. Call Gordon Brown. Apparently, you can get him at a Californian bond dealer called Pimco. He could call Alistair Darling. I think he's at Morgan Stanley, but it's hard to keep up. Those are the people to blame for Google not paying their taxes. We're the ones who got.
2: Mr. Speaker, that the Prime Minister is the Prime Minister is responsible to government and therefore is responsible for tax collection. Mr. Speaker, Google made profits of six billion pounds in the UK between 2005 and 2015, and is paying 130 billion pounds in tax for the whole of that decade. Millions of people this week are filling in their tax returns to get them in by the 31st. They have to send the form back. They do not get the option of 25 meetings with 17 ministers to decide what their rate of tax is. Many people going to their HMRC offices or returning them online this week will say this. Why is there one rule? for big multinational companies and another for ordinary small businesses and self-employed workers. But well, all those people filling in their tax returns are going to be paying lower
0: taxes under this government. That is what's happening. To say to him, he can, if he wants, criticise HMRC, but HMRC's work is investigated by the National Audit Office, and when they did that, they found that the settlements that they've reached with companies are fair. That is how it works. Now, the Shadow Chancellor's pointing. The Shadow Chancellor, the idea that those two Right Honourable Gentlemen would stand up to anyone in this regard is laughable. Look at the record over the last week. They met with the unions and they gave them flying pickets. They met with the Argentinians they gave them the Falkland Islands. They met with a bunch of migrants in Calais. They said they could all come to Britain. The only people they never stand up for are the British people and hard working taxpayers.
2: <laughs> Mr. Speaker, we've had we've had no answers on Google. We have had no answers on Jeff. Um, can I raise with him another, another unfair tax policy that does affect many people in this country? This morning, the Court of Appeal ruled that the bedroom tax is discriminatory because of its impact. I do not know why members opposite find this funny, because it is not for those that have to pay it. And the, the ruling is because it is its impact on vulnerable individuals, including victims of disabled victims of domestic violence and disabled children. Will the Prime Minister now read the judgment and finally abandon this cruel and unjust policy which has now been ruled to be illegal?
0: Yes. We
2: always look very carefully at the judgments on these occasions, but of course our
0: fundamental position is that it's unfair to subsidise spare rooms in the social sector if you don't subsidise them in the private sector, where people are paying a housing benefit, and that is a basic issue of fairness. But isn't it interesting that the first pledge he makes is something that could cost as much as two and a half billion pounds in the next Parliament? Who's going to pay for that? Well, Jeff will pay for it. The people. Filling in their tax returns will pay for it. Why is it that he always wants to see more welfare, higher taxes, more borrowing, all the things that got us into the mess in the first place?
2: Mr. Speaker, we haven't had any answers on Google or the bedroom tax, but I ask the Prime Minister this. Shortly before coming into the chamber, I became aware of the final report of the United Nations Panel of Experts on Yemen, which has been sent to the government, and it makes very disturbing reading. And I quote It says, and this is the report, that it has documented that coalition forces have conducted airstrikes targeting civilians and civilian objects in violation of international humanitarian law, including camps for internally displaced persons and refugees, civilian residential areas, medical facilities facilities, schools and mosques these are very disturbing reports. In the light of this, will the Prime Minister agree to launch immediately an inquiry and a full review into the arms export licences to Saudi Arabia and suspend those arms sales until that review has been concluded?
0: As the right hon. Gentleman knows, we have the strictest rules for arms exports almost any country anywhere in the world. And Let me remind him, we are not a member of the Saudi-led coalition. We are not directly involved in the Saudi-led coalition's operation. British personnel are not involved in carrying out strikes. I will look at this report as I look at all other reports, but our arms exports are carefully controlled and we are backing the legitimate Government of the Yemen, not least because terrorist attacks planned in the Yemen would have a direct effect on people in our country. I refuse to run a foreign policy by press release, which is what he wants. I want a foreign policy that is in the interests of the British people.
2: Recent explosion of spurious legal claims against British troops, including yeah, those pursued yeah, yeah, yeah. by the law firm that has donated tens of thousands of pounds to the shadow defence secretary and oh, so undermine yeah, yeah. the ability of our armed forces to do their job. Will the Prime Minister join me in repudiating the disdain this shows to our brave service women yeah, yeah, yeah. and our brave service?
0: I absolutely agree with that, my honourable friend. Of course, we hold our service personnel to the highest standards, and it's right that we do, but it's quite clear there's now an industry trying to profit from spurious claims that are lodged against our brave servicemen and women. And I'm determined to do everything we can to close this bogus industry down. And we should start by making clear that we will take action against any legal firm that we find to have abused the system to pursue fabricated claims. That is absolutely not acceptable. Yeah. Thank you,
1: Mr. Speaker, may I begin by associating the Scottish National Party with the comments of the Prime Minister in relation to Holocaust Memorial Day and commend governments across the United Kingdom for supporting the Holocaust Education Trust for the important work that they do. Mr. Speaker, does the Prime Minister agree that there is no justification for discrimination or unfairness towards women in the private sector, public
0: sector, or by government? Well, first of all, let me welcome what the right hon. Gentleman says about the Holocaust Education Trust. I remember, as a new constituency MP, meeting them and seeing the incredible work they were doing in my constituency. And they work extremely hard round the clock. But this day is particularly important for them. And I would urge colleagues who haven't visited Auschwitz: it is something you will never forget, no matter what you've read, or or films you've seen, or, or books that you've interrogated. There is nothing like seeing for yourself what happened in the darkest hour of humanity. In terms of um, wanting to end discrimination against women in the public sector, in the private sector, in politics, in this place, yes, absolutely. Ms. Rangers Robertson.
1: I very much welcome what the Prime Minister has to say on both counts. He is aware uh, of the state pension inequality that is impacting on many women, and that this Parliament voted unanimously for the government to, and I quote, immediately introduce transitional arrangements for those women negatively affected by pension equalisation. What is a Prime Minister going to do to respect the decision of this Parliament and help those women who were affected, those who were born in the 1950s, And should
0: have had proper notice to plan their finances and their retirement. Well, what I say to the honourable gentleman, first of all, the equalisation of of the retirement age came about on the basis of equality, which was a judgment by the European Court that we put in place in the 1990s. When this government decided, rightly in my view, to raise the retirement age, we made the decision that no one should suffer a greater than an 18-month increase uh, in their retirement age, and that's the decision that this House of Commons took. In terms of ending discrimination in the pension system, I would say that the introduction of the single-tier pension at £155 a week will be one of the best ways we can end discrimination in the pension system, because so many women retiring will get so much more in their pension, which of course under this Government is triple lock protected, so they will get inflation earnings or 2.5% and never again the derisory 75p increase in the pension.
2: Our prisons can still be centres of radicalisation. Will the Prime Minister look at all measures, including those in the all-party boxing report, of preventing young people, troubled young people, from falling into the jaws of these dangerously screwed up predatory extremists?
0: Yeah. So, well, my honourable friend is absolutely right. It is very disturbing that when people are in our care, when the state is looking after them, that on some occasions they have been radicalised because of uh, what they've heard in prison, either from uh, other prisoners or from uh, perhaps even visit on, on occasions visiting uh, imams. So we need to sort this situation out. The Justice Secretary. Has put in place a review. I'll look very carefully at the report that she says, but we must make sure that, if anything, when people go to prison, if they're already radicalised, they're de radicalised rather than made worse. Yeah. Margaret Ferrier. Yeah.
2: Thank you, Mr Speaker. Since the Chancellor of the Exchequer took control of the public purse, he has utterly failed to get the deficit under control and to date this year has borrowed over 74 billion to plug the gap. Or to use the vernacular that his party is fond of using for a hypothetical independent Scotland, a monumental financial black hole in his books, is he he now likely to breach their own deficit reduction target for the year by somewhere in the region of £9 billion? Will the Prime Minister.
0: I, I don't wish to be unkind to the Honourable Lady, but I think we've got the
2: gist.
0: That was a polite way of saying that the Honourable Lady had concluded her question. <laughs> What I would say is that my rightful friend, the Chancellor, and the economic strategy this government has pursued has cut the deficit in half from the record level that we inherited, and soon it will be down by two thirds, and we're meeting what we want to see in terms of debt falling as a share of our GDP. Now, what a contrast, I would say, with a situation that Scotland would be facing if Scotland had voted for independence in just six weeks' time. We've actually seen a collapse of 94% of the oil revenues. Now, because we've got the broad shoulders of the United Kingdom, that collapse in the oil price and the taxation won't affect people in Scotland. But had Scotland been independent, it would be a very, very dark day indeed.
1: Recently, I held a mental health forum in my constituency where I brought service users and commissioners together to explore how we could improve mental health services in Dudley and Sandwell. Can I welcome the Prime Minister's recent announcement on increased funding for mental health services? And Would he agree with me that, despite the fact that we have more work to do, that his commitments are a clear indication of our desire to have a revolution in mental health services in Britain,
0: and he has uh, delivered some commitments on that. Well, I'm very grateful to what my honourable friend says. There is further to go, but this government is investing more in mental health. We've introduced the waiting times, most recently, saying that uh, young people suffering episodes of psychosis should be seen within two weeks. So there's funding, there's parity of esteem, there's waiting time, but there also needs to be the bigger culture change, not just in the NHS, but right across the public sector and private sectors, so that mental health uh, conditions are given the attention they deserve. Nick Thomas Simmons. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Uh, from this April, a woman who works full time stands to lose thousands of pounds in tax credits if she becomes pregnant with her first child. When will this prime minister stop attacking working people? Yes. What we're doing for women like that is making sure that this year they can earn £11,000 without paying any income tax. That if they're on low wages, if they're on the minimum wage, they'll get a seven percent. Pay increase because of the national living wage. That for the first time there'll be 30 hours of free childcare for those people. That's what we're doing for hard working people in our country. Do we need to reform welfare? Yes, we do. And if the Honourable Gentleman read the report into why his party lost the election, he'd see that, not, not, the the the, not the one they published, of course, the secret <laughs> one we all read over the weekend, is by endlessly arguing for higher and higher welfare, the British public rightly conclude that under Labour, there'd be higher and higher taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bob Blackman. Thank you, yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you, Mr. Speaker,
2: and I warmly welcome the Prime Minister's words on uh, creating a national memorial to the victims of the Holocaust. Tonight in Harrow, representatives of the whole community will come together to listen to the, vi- to the people that
1: survived the Holocaust, because that's the only way we can really preserve them, their memory. Uh, my right honourable friend has rightly alluded to the wonderful work of the Holocaust Educational Trust
2: in allowing literally thousands of young people to visit Auschwitz-Birkenau and see for themselves at first hand. Will he commit the government to continue funding the Holocaust Educational Trust so that many thousands more and see the, the horrors
1: of the Holocaust.
0: Um, I, I can certainly make that commitment. We've funded it with over £10 million since I became Prime Minister. As I said in answer to an earlier question, it does excellent work. I also think there's a real need now, as tragically, uh, the remaining Holocaust survivors are coming to the end of their lives. Many of them are now uh, speaking up in the most moving and powerful way. I will be spending some time today with some of them. Recording their testimonies, which must be part of our memorial, is absolutely vital because their description uh, of what they went through and the friends and family that they lost is so powerful and so moving, we must capture it for generations to come. Sue Heyman
2: Thank you, Mr Speaker. In 2013, the Energy and Climate Change Select Committee recommended extending the retention of business rates to include new-build nuclear power stations. The Centre for Nuclear Excellence is in my constituency, and the new-build at Moorside is vital for our economic prosperity. Given the government cuts to Cumbria's councils, does the Prime Minister agree that if we are to truly build a northern powerhouse, our local authorities must retain all business rates from the nuclear new build in West Cumbria?
0: I look very carefully at what what, uh, the Honourable Lady says. We are committed to the new nuclear industry. We're obviously making good progress with Hinkley Point, but we need to see uh, another big station go ahead. I look very carefully at what she says about business rate retention. And business rates more broadly. But the most important thing is to have an energy infrastructure that allows for the delivery of new nuclear power stations. That is the position on this side of the House. Closed question, Mr Martin
2: Vickers. Number 11, Mr Speaker.
0: This government is absolutely committed to regenerating our coastal towns and ensuring that everyone, regardless of where they live in this country, has access to high-quality public services and to the very best opportunities. And I am happy to reaffirm that to the House today. On this question, Mr. Ian Paisley. (laughs) (laughs) I beg your pardon. I do beg your
2: pardon. Mr. Bickers first. Gentlemen, let's hear him. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I thank the Prime Minister for, for his uh, reply, and I recognise the initiatives that the uh, government have taken. But he will know that many coastal towns, such
0: as Cleethorpes, do suffer from poor educational standards. We have many high-performing uh, academies who are trying to reverse that and ensure that our young people have access to. Uh,
2: uh, sport, arts, and culture at the highest level. Um, the uh, council are currently preparing a report with the private sector. Will he commit the government to work with me and the council to deliver uh, regeneration to uh, Cleethorpes?
0: Certainly, no, no one, Mr. Speaker, could silence the voice of the Humber. That was uh, not going to happen. Uh, I think my honourable friend is absolutely right, and I am happy to look at that proposal with him. I think the issue we've got is that we have to make sure we tackle both failing schools, but also coasting schools, and there are some actually. Coastal areas of our country. One of the issues is making sure that we get very talented teachers and very talented leaders into those schools, and that's what the National Leaders of Education Service is all about. But I'm happy to talk further with him.
1: Liam Paisley, deja vu. Rathlin Island is the only inhabited coastal village town in my constituency. No British Prime Minister has ever had the honour to visit that part of Ulster. I wonder when the Prime Minister plans to visit this remote location, which has considerable economic needs and could generate more employment and tourism.
0: I, I, um, I'm the first British Prime Minister to, to visit many parts of our country, first, first to go to Shetland for about 30 years. But uh, I fear if I went to this island, there might be a number of people who'd like me to stay there. But I uh, will certainly bear it in mind the next time I, I visit uh, the, the, the
2: province. Oh, Speaker. Rugby is the fastest growing town in the uh, West Midlands, with work underway to provide 6,200 much needed new homes at the Rugby Radio site. But my constituents are keen to ensure that public services keep pace with those developments and, particularly, to see more services at the local hospital St Cross. Does the Prime Minister agree with NHS Chief Executive Sir Simon Stevens? that district hospitals, such as St Cross, play an excellent role in the NHS.
0: No, I'm a believer in, in district general hospitals, and I know what a strong supporter of St Cross he is. And I know there's a new dedicated children's outpatient facility there, which is welcome. But I'd say to my honourable friend and to all uh, honourable members across the house, if we're going to achieve these very aggressive house-building targets that we put forward, there will be more houses built in most of our constituencies, and it's important that we try as, as far as we can to welcome them. And to make sure the infrastructure that goes with these necessary houses is provided.
2: Caroline Flint. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Not everybody is as satisfied as the Chancellor with what for Google is loose change to cover their tax liabilities. That's right. On Monday, the Honourable Member for Amber Valley called on the government to make companies publish their tax returns. In that way, we can all see how they make the journey from their cash profit to their tax bills. Does the Prime Minister agree?
0: I do want to to wonder whether the Right Honourable Lady ever raised this issue when she sat in the Labour Cabinet when Google were paying zero tax. What we have is a situation where we make the rules in this House and where HMRC have to enforce those rules. That's the system that we need to make work.
1: Chris Green. Thank you, Mr Speaker. As cancer survival rates continue to improve, and given that this is Cancer Talk Week, will my right honourable friend join me in welcoming a new state-of-the-art cancer information centre due to open at Royal Bolton Hospital, and praise the collaboration <laughs> of that Midland <laughs> Cancer Care, uh, Bolton Pack, Bolton Hospice, uh, Bolton CCG, who are all making this happen?
0: Well, I am very happy to join my honourable friend. Uh, look everyone in this house knows someone or knows a family member who's been touched by cancer and many people have lost loved ones to cancer. The good news is that cancer survival rates are improving. We need to make sure they improve across all of the cancers not just the best known ones. But I think what he says is that this is not just an issue for the NHS. It's all of those big society bodies that also want to campaign and act on helping cancer sufferers that have such a big role to play.
2: Rue Hendry in the summer of In 2014, as then leader of Highland Council, I wrote to the Prime Minister asking him to join the Scottish Government and Highland Council in taking forward a city deal for Inverness. Highland Council have submitted a detailed plan on the theme, a region for young people. Will the Prime Minister now commit to giving this the green light in the coming weeks?
0: Well, we are committed to examining the city deal with Inverness, just as we've made very good progress on the city deal with Aberdeen. And I think these. bring together the best of what the Scottish Government can put on the table, but also the best of what the UK Government can put on the table. Because, Without wanting to be too political about it, the two governments working together can do even more. John Glenn. Can I I thank the Prime Minister for meeting the deposed Maldivian President Nasheed and his legal team in Number 10 on Saturday? Will the Prime Minister commit to work towards an international consensus on targeted sanctions so that the Maldivian regime may reconsider their appalling Human rights record and their record on democracy. Well, I'm very grateful to my honourable friend for raising this. It was an honour to meet with former President Nasheed, who I think did an excellent job for his country in cutting out corruption and turning that uh, important country round. He suffered terribly by being in prison, and it's good that he's able to get out to seek medical treatment. But we want to see a change in behaviour from the Maldivian government to make sure that political prisoners are set free. And yes, we are prepared to consider. A, uh, targeted action against individuals if further progress is not made. Let us hope that the diplomatic efforts, including by the Commonwealth Action Group, will lead to the changes we want to see, but Britain and our allies, including Sri Lanka and India, are watching the situation very closely. Yeah. Judith Cummins
1: yeah. Thank you. Mr. Speaker. 46% of five-year-old children in Bradford suffer from dental decay, compared with just 28% across England and less than half of the children living in the Bradford district have seen a dentist in the last two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Given the costs of treating tooth care far exceed the cost of prevention, would the Prime Minister look at the lack of availability of NHS yeah. dentists yeah. in Bradford South as a matter of urgency? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm very happy to look at what the honourable lady says. If you take a view across the country, before 2010 we had those huge queues round the block when a new NHS dentist turned up because there weren't enough of them, and we've seen a very big. They may nod their heads, shake their heads, but that is what happened. Some of us can remember that, and we've seen a big increase in NHS dentistry. But I'll look very carefully at the situation in Bradford. Kevin Foster, thank you, Mr. Speaker. As my right hon. Friend knows, the Peninsula Rail Task Force is set to deliver its report on a resilient railway to Devon and Cornwall. Would my right hon. Friend be willing to meet with me and a number of colleagues to
1: ensure that Network Rail and the Task Force has enough funding for the two studies into electrification of the line?
0: And the reduction in journey times necessary to do this. Well, I had an excellent meeting with the um, uh, Southwest Peninsula Rail Task Force, uh, who have been working very closely with the government, and I'll make sure that we're continuing to liaise closely with them. Clearly, we need to find a- an answer to this, and we need to find the funding to to make it work. We can't have happened what happened in the past, where a-, a problem on our railways led to the peninsula being cut off. We can't see that happen again. Thank
2: you, Mr. Speaker. Would the Prime Minister join me in congratulating my constituents, Dominic and Rebecca from Mitcham, on the birth of their daughter, Alice? Like every parent, they want their daughter to have better opportunities than they had. But with average London house prices increasing by £40,000 in 2013 alone, and the average house in London now being worth over half a million pounds, Does he understand their fears that Alice will never have the chance they had to buy her own home in the area she was born in?
0: Well, I want to help Alice and many like her in London get on the housing ladder, which is why we're introducing shared ownership, which brings housing uh, in in reach of many more people. It's why we've got help to buy London, which is twice as generous as in the rest of the country. It's why we're selling off the most expensive uh, council houses and rebuilding more affordable homes all of those things under the guidance and drive of Zach Goldsmith who make an excellent Aye mayor of London Aye that is Alice's best chance of a home to have a conservative mayor and a conservative government working together hand in glove.
1: Facing a mental health crisis, who goes in desperation to A&E needs prompt specialist help. Can I welcome my right honourable friend's recognition of psychiatric liaison in his recent speech on life chances? And does he agree with me that 24/7 psychiatric liaison in A&E is an important step towards parity of esteem for mental health in a seven-day NHS?
0: My honourable friend is absolutely right. We are seeing more um, mental health and psychiatric liaison in our A&Es. We're seeing it in some. We need, over time. To see it in all, because so often we've got people arriving not in the right setting where they should be being looked after. So whether it's getting people with mental health conditions out of police cells or making sure they're treated properly in prisons, or crucially when they arrive at A and E, making sure they get this treatment is very much part of our Life Chances Plan. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Can I commend the Prime Minister for his remarks about Holocaust Memorial Day? Uh, In honouring the memory of those murdered by the Nazis, we provide the best. Antidote to extremism and anti Semitism in our own age. The biggest challenge facing Europe today is the predicted three million refugees who will flee into our continent in 2016, many of whom will die along the way. Does he agree with me that the only way to challenge a crisis of that magnitude is by starting working with our European colleagues at the heart of a united Europe? And Will he take this final opportunity to welcome in and provide a home for the 3,000 unaccompanied children as recommended by Save the Children? Well, first of all, what I'd say, where I agree with the right honourable gentleman, is the importance of uh, taking action to help with this refugee crisis and no country in Europe has been more generous in Britain in funding refugee camps whether they are in Syria whether they're in Turkey whether they're in Lebanon or whether they're in Jordan where i don't agree with the uh, honorable Je- the right honourable gentleman is thinking that the right answer is for Britain to opt in to the EU relocation and resettlement schemes and let me tell him as for why we said we would resettle 20,000 people in our Our country. We promised 1,000 by Christmas, and because of the hard work of my honourable friend, the honourable member for Watford, we achieved that. Now, if you add up all that Europe has done under its relocation scheme and its its resettlement schemes of all 27 other member states, they have done less than we've done here in the UK because of that thousand. So yes. We should take part in European schemes when it's in our interest, help to secure the external European border. But we are out of Schengen, we keep our own borders, and under this government, that's the way it'll stay. Yeah. Order!